pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we as a congregation come together and have assembled here and ask that you would accept our worship in song, our worship in giving, Lord, in the special music and in the preaching of your word, that, Lord, you would direct our hearts to biblically worship you in a way that would affect how we live through this coming week. We ask that what is done here would be real and would truly change the way we live to bring more honor and glory to your name because that is the greatest worship that we can offer as a changed life, one that others can see the hand of God working in us. Lord, we ask that you would do this in this service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Children's Church, and the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, if I could have this little fan that's here on top of the uh, pulpit turned on, I would appreciate that greatly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to primarily be concerned with two verses this morning. Uh, verses 10 and verses 11 uh, of this chapter. We're going to try to set the context there. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you in prayer. Ask for understanding of your word that you may help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at these verses, and if you like a title, we'll just take the first few words, first three words. Uh, uh, um, well, actually, uh, skip the first word, the next three words. And we must all is just simply the title for the message this morning. Because Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and we understand uh, the context of this verse is primarily talking to people who are saved, members, and serving in the local church. There is a greater biblical context, and uh, we, we understand as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that those that are saved are going to be judged by Jesus Christ. In fact, people often call this the judgment seat of Christ. If they want to appear scholarly in any court, they often use the Greek word bima and call the bima seat judgment. But what, what the, our passage tells us says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in fact, let's just take a moment and, and go there. And, and Paul is very careful here. 
he, he tells us uh, that we are laborers together with God. A song, a verse that we put to song in our Sunday school. In verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Which tells us that Paul did not believe Peter was the stone upon which the church was builded. But it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. And it says, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And then Paul goes on to give us one of the sternest warnings in the Bible, to be careful not to defile the temple of God, talking about the body of the believer, and corporately the body of believers that make up the local church. Uh, I, I will tell you, you're treading on dangerous ground when you stand against a local church. When you allow things in your life that are opposed to the Word of God. The Bible tells us, Paul is very careful here. It says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says our works are going to be judged by fire, that, that we have building material, we have gold and silver and precious stones. We also have wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, most of us know what happens when fire attaches wood. And, and uh, when fire gets on hay and stubble, I mean, it it's just disappears. You can't even uh, uh, roast your hot dogs over... Uh, a pine needle fire or grass or hay uh, because it just burns up. And then it says that even if everything you have is consumed in the fire of God's judgment, that you will not lose your soul. That you will be saved so as by fire. Jude talks about those who have their garments spotted with the deeds of this world. And, and uh, uh, many preachers have preached sermons on you don't want to be walking the golden streets smelling like smoke. Uh, I, I'll tell you, there's, there's a lot of warning there that needs to be taken. But if we'll go to Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, we'll find out that there's a second judgment seat of Christ. And all who stand before this judgment, we'll start in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 20. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. 
And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to challenge you. The overall context of the Bible demands a very simple rendering of these words. We understand the immediate context of the book of Corinth was written to the members of the church at Corinth. But the wider biblical context tells us that these words can be taken in their simplest and most plain, that every human being that has ever lived from Adam and Eve to the last person born at the end of the millennial kingdom of Christ is all going to stand before God in judgment. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, whenever I contemplate the judgment of God, whenever I think about giving an account of every deed and every thought of my life, it brings just a little bit of fear in my heart. How about you? Ought to. Because you can't play games with God. Nothing will be swept under the carpet. There will be no lawyer to plead your case. You, everything that is in your life is going to be judged by God. Now, I want to tell you, as a Christian, if you have been born again the Bible way, if you are saved... When those books are opened and it has your sins recorded, right next to each entry is going to be paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, many people have a problem and and there's a lot of misunderstanding on this thing called the book of life we just read in Revelation 20, whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But as we read in the letters to the churches, Jesus promises those that believe on him that he will not blot out their name. Now, this is not the subject of this morning's sermon, but just something to think about. The the simplest understanding I can give you is... Every person that ever lived, their name was written in the book of life because God is the giver of life. And when they pass that point, whether it be in death or some people years before where they reject Jesus for the last time, their name is blotted out in that book. And there'll be a, a spot there. Will be just uh, in in the old days. You had two ways of crossing something out. One was just to take a brush instead of a pen and paint right over it with with black ink, and then you would blot it so that the uh, dry up all the excess so that the ink didn't soak through the vellum or the skin on which it was written or didn't smear on other pages. And you would blot that 
place and there would just be a big black mark where the name used to be. The other way they would do it is they would literally take the skin with a very sharp knife and scrape it out. The Bible says uses the phraseology. It says to blot out the name there. And, and so we, we have to understand something in the specific context of this, talking about Christians, your name was written in the book of life. And you're going to make it to heaven. But God is still going to judge us for our service for Him. First Corinthians said that we're to build on that foundation. We're to build uh, upon the testimony and the work of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at our verse here, we start out in chapter 10, I mean verse 10 of chapter 5, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, in our modern day and time, we have a piece of paper in United States jurisprudence in the court system, it's called a subpoena. That is a demand to appear before the judge. Uh, other types of paperwork are tickets. When you get a moving violation, that is a demand to appear before the judge. You can uh, waive that right to appear before the judge and just pay the fine. Uh, if you don't, you must face that judge. You must stand there. If you're uh, charged with a crime, you will on multiple occasions have to appear before the judge to enter a plea, to uh, begin the trial, to be uh, adjudicated at the end, whether you're found guilty or innocent. Uh, all of those things have to happen. And the Bible's just very plain here. And we've gone over to the Scriptures. Whether you're saved... Or whether you're lost, you're still going to stand in judgment before the throne of God. And oftentimes when this is brought up, some smart aleck will say, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Uh, excuse me. That's talking about you judging others. But God is going to judge everyone. And we're going to have to give an account. It says here that everyone may receive. Do you see that? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive. You're going to get something on that day. No one is going to be sent away empty. You are going to be brought into judgment. And I want you to understand, if you're saved, the specific context of this judgment is to save people serving in a local church. How did you get saved? Did somebody get saved for you? Not the Bible way, amen? Each individual must come separately alone to God the Father 
and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing their sins, believing that Jesus died and that he rose again. That's what the Bible says. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 12 tells us there's no difference. And verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the first question is, have you done that? Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can uh, help you get saved. Part of faith in God. Hebrews eleven six. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The theme of the youth conference we just came from uh, this week was diligently seek him. And that's our prayer for every person that walks through the doors of this church. Because you must understand that God is. That God is good. Before you can be saved. You must put your faith and trust in Him. By the way, getting saved, being born again, is a personal, individual event. So is living for Christ. Yeah, the church is the context of our Christianity. We should get encouragement. We should be able to watch those that are further down the road of the Christian life and more mature and how they serve. And and in the church, we should be able to look back and see brand new people coming into the faith and how they serve. We should be able to look at others, but service is an individual thing and we won't take time to go through the whole story, but Jesus gave a parable of the uh, ten virgins that were waiting for the wedding. Five of them were wise. They had brought extra oil. Five of them were foolish. They had none. No extra. While they waited, their oil ran out. And people tried to make that, that the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you, you can't run out of the Holy Spirit of God. It's works. It's your service for God. How many remember Mother Teresa? Uh, the fastest that any person ever reached sainthood in the Catholic Church. I think she holds the record for that. Uh, because she had done so many good works. But I remember when she was dying, they played on uh, News Radio 88. Her testimony, I haven't done enough good works. That was her own words. You can say what you want, but I'll tell you this, Mother Teresa understood before she died that no matter how many good works you have, it's not getting you to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus can get you to heaven. Can we say amen to that? And you must individually trust Him. You must individually serve Him. And you will be individually examined by He who knows your every thought and every deed. That's 
should be a little unnerving. Amen? That, that should tell us, and it says here in the next phrase, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. If you're waiting until you grow up to serve Christ, I want to challenge you, you, you've lost your time. You only have the time in this flesh. And and if you're one of those unfortunate people who are uh, always looking around to everybody else and everything else and wishing you were different and that you could be like this person or like that person... I'm telling you, God has given you the body He planned for you to have, and you only have what you own. You only have the skin that covers your bones. And people often say, don't judge a person until you know everything about them. Well, I'll tell you what, God knows everything about everybody, and He's going to judge And he's going to judge righteously. He's going to judge completely. And he is going to judge you for the things that you have done with your body. So, please, do not waste time. Uh, I know the marshals sing the song, I'm already over on the other side waiting on my brand new body. But if you're going to have anything waiting for you on the other side other than your salvation, you better get using the one you got right now. Amen? This is what the Bible's talking about. And, and, and by the way, the context for our service is the context of the passage. You, you are to serve God through, by, for a local assembly of believers. This universal, invisible understanding of the church is a... Uh, uh, just something that's simply made up by man. There's no such thing as a universal, invisible anything. Try that next time the IRS wants to collect income tax, all right? Uh, no, don't do that. You'll end up in prison, all right? That, that would not be a wise thing. Uh, and yet people love the invisible universal church because its responsibilities are both invisible and everyone else's, right? But we're talking about what the Bible says here, and it is an individual, personal thing. In fact, it's so personal that it can only be concerned with what you have done with your own hands and your own feet. But this next phrase here is one that should make us stop and take notice. Paul is not waxing poetic here. He's not saying the same thing over again as is often the case in Psalms and Proverbs in the books of poetry. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. You say, no, wait a minute. According to that he hath done. I want you to understand something. 
salvation is an event, is an occurrence that happens at a point in time that should change everything about your life. Amen? But if it changes everything about your life, then the things you do in your body ought to be according to your relationship with God. Now, shouldn't they? You see, when we stand before God in judgment, He's not going to take a bell curve. How many of you know what that is? Uh, That was a grading system that was invented... uh, many years ago, to help people who do not do very well in school. You see, you take the top 3 or 4 percent of the grade in the class, no matter what it is, and their A's. And you take the bottom 4 percent and their F's. And everybody in between passes. Well, God's not going to do that. It says, according... I want to get all the words right. According to that, he hath done. God's going to take a straight line. Do you know who the number one provider of meals in the latter part of the Depression in Chicago was? It wasn't the government. It was Al Capone. Al Capone fed more hungry people than just about anybody else in Chicago during the ending time of the Depression. And that's where he recruited his numbers people, and that's where he recruited his capos to go out and beat up other people, and that's where he did all of his... Is it good to feed people that are hungry? Yeah, it is. Uh, But that doesn't negate the murders and the alcohol and all of the crimes that were associated with everything that that gangster appropriated. And, you know, the only thing the government could do was get him on income tax fraud. But one day he'll stand before God. God's going to pull out all the books... But I fed lots of hungry people. Yeah, but your name has been blotted out of the book of life. Because you never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. See, one deed doesn't determine a life. We like to live for the fantastic. We like to live for the great recognition. Uh, I, I remember, uh, and, and you probably will too if you were paying attention, shortly after 9-11, many of our former president, Bill Clinton's aides, came out And they were lamenting the fact that no horrible event had happened on his watch so that the world could see what a great person he really was. 
I'll tell you, that's not the way it works. And the president who followed him, who did some great things on 9-11, also did some really, really horrible things and put some terrible judges in there and, and uh, just made sure that whoever followed him in office could not be a Republican. I have very little respect. Because, you see, life living is day by day according to that he hath done. And if God were to account, make us give an accounting right today, you know what most of us would have to say about our lives? I was just trying to live. Just trying to pay my bills. Just, just trying to do right. Just trying to get to the next paycheck. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take care of things that I should. Wait a minute. Should that be the testimony of our life? How about, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? And all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we spend so much of our life taking care of things that God has said He would take care of. And not doing the things that God wants us to do. And the Bible says that we're going to have to give an account according to that which he hath done. We, we often talk of deathbed conversions. And I will tell you, uh, many, uh, well over ten years ago, I was called up by someone who knew about our church. Uh, out in the Midwest somewhere, and they had a relative that was dying of brain cancer. And said, would you at least go see them? And so I went, and I knocked on the door, and I said, my name is Pastor Montoro. Uh, So-and-so called me and asked me to come and visit. And he said, oh, that's my son. And I said, "Uh, may I... May I speak with your son? said, no, you cannot speak with my son. My son can't speak. The cancer has advanced to a point to where uh, he's not been communicative in, in, in a very long time, and death is coming very soon. And and uh, said, but if you want to see him and pray for him, you can. So I went into the home and... Uh, he was there on a bed, and there was a nurse there. He was in hospice care at this time, and, and, and the mother gave me the name, and, and I called his name, and he rolled his head over. And I said, uh, we'll just pick Johnny. He said, Johnny, if you can hear me, um, would you uh, nod your head or, or give us some kind of note that you can hear me? And, and he moved his head up and down like he could hear me. And so I said, Johnny, would you mind, uh, would you like me to share the gospel with you from the Bible? And he said, yes, by nodding his head up and down. And I went through the gospel story with him and, and I asked him, I said, 
Would you be willing to pray in your heart to God and, and confess that you are a sinner and believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins? And he said, yes. Not audibly, but by moving his head. And I told him, I said, Johnny, I can give you the words, but you must pray directly to God in your heart. Do you understand? And he nodded his head again. And we went through what is called the sinner's prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I cannot save myself. But I believe that Jesus paid the price for all my sins. And I confess my sins to you and ask you to save me. And I said, Johnny, did you pray that prayer? And he nodded his head. I said, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And he again gave the affirmative sign that he did. And that's the only hope we have. That the young man, he was only in his 20s, dying of brain cancer, is going to end up on the right side of eternity. Could I, could I challenge you today? That's not much hope. You don't have to do that. You can trust Jesus today as your Savior. But I, I want you to understand something. A profession of faith ought to change the way we live. Amen? You see, this verse here says, knowing there, uh, I'm sorry, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Someone once asked this question, trying to illustrate this point. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence from the testimony of other people to convict you? an interesting way of looking at it. If you could not say a word, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, as many were during the Roman Empire and later during the Inquisition of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, their only crime was refusing to believe in the church, refusing to be sprinkled as a baby instead of being baptized in Jesus' name after a profession of faith in Christ. The estimates are from hundreds of thousands to tens of millions that were murdered by people who called themselves Christians for refusing the authority of Rome. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? It tells us here that we're going to receive the things done in our body... According to that, he hath done whether it be good or bad. 
Here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. He says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Jesus said, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. I'll tell you, we were out a couple weeks ago knocking doors in Riverhead, and uh, two of our guys got invited into a house, and they were talking, and the guy said, no, no, it's hot outside. He said, you got to go with a drink of water. And gave them both a bottle of water uh, before they got back in the church van here. And I am sure that this verse was in that guy's head. Uh, it said that if you, if you give someone a drink of water because they're a Christian, because they're serving Christ, you're not going to lose a reward. Well, he didn't want to lose his reward. I just hope that he's saved. Amen? Because works don't count. Until you say first. Well, what else did Jesus say? He said in Sermon on the Mount, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. That verse convicts me as a pastor. I do not want to walk around heaven with the title of being least in the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the reasons why we strive to be particular about our doctrine. To be careful about how we practice what we preach. To have what is called a consistent Theology, a consistent hermeneutic. A theology is understanding of God. A hermeneutic is an understanding of the Bible. We, we want a consistent life and belief. We want a consistent faith and practice. Why? Because if you're doing good, you'll have both of those things. And the Bible says if you're not doing that, that you're going to garner the title least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm not going to allow my imagination to run down the halls of, uh, uh, of where I cannot see and cannot understand to try to tell you how that's going to look. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the next verse back in 2 Corinthians, if you're there, gives us just a little hint of what is to be expected. Verse 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Here's what Paul's simply saying. Saying, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the God of this book called the Bible is described as a consuming fire. The same God that opened the earth and swallowed up Dathan and Abiram and all that pertained unto them, 
is the same God that sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Is the same one that's going to be sitting on that throne. You want to know how terrifying the Lord is? Study what the Bible says about hell. I believe one of the reasons the Bible gives us so little information about hell is because we would lose our sanity if we really understood what it was. But I will tell you the greatest problem with hell is not the pain and the suffering. It is eternal separation from God. That is the punishment. That is the most horrible part. And it says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that don't want to be persuaded. I don't believe in that religion stuff. Well, I can't help you. You must first understand that God is and that God is good. That's the basis of salvation. And of course, people say, well, how could a good God make a place called hell? Well, I want to ask you, what in the world is God supposed to do with people who spit on this book and on the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross on their behalf? What is God supposed to do? If they want to be separate from God so badly, God says, I'll do it. I will give you what you want, but it won't be what you want once you have it. Because we only have this life to make that decision. We, we live in a world, and one of the great frustrations to me at, at this point in my ministry uh, as I've been serving the Lord, been full-time over uh, 33 years now. That's a great portion of my life. Has been all involved. If I count the four years in Bible college before that, that's 37. So, I mean, uh, that, that is well, well over half of my life. And all of my adult life has been invested in the ministry. And I see young people saying, you know what, the greatest scholars criticize this book called the Bible and say that it can't be the Word of God, and they turn their back on their good old King James Bible and trade it in for a bunch of foolishness. I see people saying, listen, we're not to be so different from the world that we can't touch them. Uh, Excuse me? Is our focus approval from out there or approval from up there? You see, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. 
And Jesus will not be impressed with Harvard philosophy. He he will not be impressed with scholarship. He will not even take time to answer the questions that people spend their whole life studying. There's only going to be one question. What have you done with my words? What have you done? Did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Could you imagine looking into the face of Jesus Christ and being asked that question, seeing the nail prints in his hands? Knowing that you refuse to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? There will be no answers in that day. But Christian, and I trust the majority of the people here have believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. What are we going to do when he says, I don't need your screen time reports on your phone and your browsing history and your cable bills to know what you are watching on TV because I'm God and I know everything before you were even born. Now, I want to know why. That's what standing before the judgment seat of Christ is going to be about. Why wouldn't you get baptized? Why, why wouldn't you serve me in a local assembly of believers even though you attended their faithful? Why wouldn't you serve? Why wouldn't you take that chance? I mean, that's one of the problems we've had at community. Trying to struggle with people who are willing to come to church, willing to be there, willing to even put money in the offering plate, but not willing to get baptized and count for Christ. Let me tell you something. Jesus is going to be asking those questions. Because it's very plain in the Word of God how we are supposed to serve Him. And I'll tell you, I don't preach a sermon like this very often, and maybe that's a problem as well, but we got it this morning. And I want every one of us in here to take a moment and ask ourselves, according to that which He hath done, what is my life according to? Am I being obedient to the words of God? If you're not saved, I I would challenge you. If you'll take that first little step toward Jesus, He'll meet you right where you are. He'll save you. All you have to do is give up trying. If you're saved, would you surrender to what the Bible says about baptism? Church membership. Serving God in the church. If you got something going on in your life that nobody but you and God knows about, today's the day to bring it up to an old-fashioned altar and just leave it here. So that your life can be according to God's Word, not that which you have done. We're going to receive the things done in our body. Good, 
and bad. You read Luke chapter 12. Jesus talks about punishments for servants who knew what to do and didn't do it. And lesser punishments for those who didn't know what to do and still didn't do it. God is just. He is holy. He is perfect in His judgment. Because we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are manifest unto God. God knows what's going on. And Paul says, I trust, and I'm not quoting exactly here, that as I am manifest unto God, my life is manifest unto others that believe in God. The only thing we're trying to do at this church is live for Jesus till he comes. And what we want you to do is join with us and help. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today in prayer. Lord, we have dealt with some of the most serious things in God's Word. And Lord, my prayer is that there would be no one in this auditorium, no one listening to this sermon today, who would take lightly their responsibility to Jesus Christ in the words of this book called the Bible. Lord, we ask that you would give us humility and boldness to get on our knees before a holy God and ask Him to change the way we live. Lord, we need You to work in our hearts that our lives may be prepared for that day of judgment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Leland comes to lead us in the hymn of invitation, Let's just stand together, and if you need to come and pray, now is the time to do so. If you have a decision to make, we ask that you would just step out and look this way as you come, and we'll meet at the front, and we'll uh, make sure that we know what, what is going on. We'd love to baptize you, but you have to ask. We want you to be members of the church, but again, you have to let us know. And if you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, we would love to take the Bible that you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt. As we sing, would you join these that have already come?